Greetings to those who watch below. Today's story is a sequel of sorts, so what I've done is linked the original story in the description box below, and if you haven't listened to that, go check it out first of all, and then come back here to return to Funland. I live in a small town in Massachusetts, where nothing big ever seems to happen. However, a few years ago, my older brother was in a pretty bad car accident that seemed to leave him more mentally damaged as opposed to physically. Our parents ended up putting him into the local psychiatric facility, Tewkesbury State Hospital. My family has never really talked about it much. I was too young to understand what exactly was going on at the time. All I know was one day my brother was perfectly fine, and then the next, he was up at that creepy, run-down place they call a hospital. I didn't even know it existed until then, and I've lived here my entire life. The incident happened when I was a freshman. It had been raining out, and my brother was driving on Main Street. He hit a pole in front of our local Domino's Pizza, but from what I've heard here and there, from whispered conversations between my mum and dad, and stories from upperclassmen, the accident had something to do with this abandoned park right next to the Domino's, across the street from the country club. It used to be a mini golf course called Funland. I've never even glanced at the place more than once or twice. All I ever saw were trees and a fence. But recently, I noticed that some of the trees had been cut down, and I could actually see into the park for the first time. What could be in there that did so much damage to my brother? I needed to find out. My friend Matt knows more about the park than anyone else I know. He's really into creepy abandoned places. His girlfriend Jenny has been taking pictures since her first art class. She likes going to these random places and taking photos. The old Funland Park has been on their list of places to explore for a while now. They came to me a few weeks ago and asked if I wanted to check it out with them. Matt is the only one of my friends that knows what happened to my brother, or at least all I know about it. My parents have forbidden me to talk about it to anybody. I'm not even allowed to ask them questions. It's something that's been gnawing at me for the past few years. I want to know what happened to him. I want to know what's inside that decrepit old park. We finally went there about a week ago now. Matt insisted we go about half an hour before sunset. That way, Jenny could take some pictures in daylight, and he could scope out the park for safety purposes. You can never be too careful in places like these, he told me. You never know what could be there. According to him, some local kids have been getting over the fence from the back left side, beside what used to be batting cages. It was a good thing we went during the dry season. That whole area is prone to flooding. Heck, the whole town is. Whose bright idea was it to build on Swampland? When we got to the fence, we could tell where and how people had been getting into the park. There were several spots where the fence was actually crushed down or raised up, allowing us the option to jump over or crawl under. We picked the first option, using a convenient pile of boards to boost ourselves up. Matt dropped down first, making sure the area was clear before he helped Jenny over. Once we were all officially in the park, I sort of just stayed back and let Matt and Jenny do their thing while I looked around. 
Jenny was taking pictures of the old batting cages. It was a lot bigger than I thought it would be. There were even baseballs left in the automated pitching machines, but they were rotted and brown with decades of exposure. When I looked over at her, she was beaming from ear to ear, her camera snapping away at one of the machines. Its coat of green paint was faded, but you could still see the number six written on the side. Matt was standing in the central area, just outside of the cages themselves. It looked like someone had set up a makeshift skate park. There was even a go-kart sitting there, still intact. Let's go around the golf course first. It looks like there's still going to be hard manoeuvring in there, even with most of the trees gone. Jenny and I nodded in agreement, and we followed Matt further into the park. The course was even more run down than the batting cages. The fake green turf at each hole was muddy and covered with old leaves. The first structure we saw was what we assumed, at first, to be a shed. It turned out to be a doll's house that was even taller than me. It even had a balcony. There were bits of glass from the windows that were scattered around, smashed and cracked, either from decay or vandalism. I was actually pretty impressed there wasn't more vandalism. It's one thing if you want to appreciate an old place just by looking at it and taking pictures, but it's another thing to try to break stuff or spray paint over everything. That's just not right. If there had been anything in the fake house before, it was all gone now. Moving forward, we saw a little wishing well. The roof was red, with real slating, and the foundation was brick. We found a huge, white rocket ship that sat at the centre of the course, with the word Funland written on either side of it. What's that over there? Jenny asked, pointing in the direction of a smallish white building at the entrance. Think it's an arcade, Matt replied, and that little one in front of it looks like where you get the golf balls and putters, you know. Yeah, I replied, scanning the area. Then something caught my eye. What's that thing over there? It looked like a weird little wooden shack with a sort of transparent door. The turf area was inclined and went under the door. The 18th hole, said Jenny, snapping another picture. It says so right there. Yeah, but what's it supposed to be? I asked. It sort of looks like an outhouse, Matt pointed out. Oh, I see it now. Weird. Ring bell for a free game with a hole in one, Jenny read. Hey, what's this? She bent forward, brushing some of the leaves out of the way of what she was seeing. What is it? It's a cell phone she said, turning it over in her hand. The thing looked ancient and caked in dirt. There's no use trying to get it to work. At least I can get a picture, she said, placing it back down on the ground to do just that. It looks like something should be inside here, I pointed out, stepping onto the turf mound as I peered through the transparent door. We're losing sun, said Matt, gesturing for Jenny and I to follow him as he turned back to where we came from. I want to take a look at this storage shack. Jenny and I followed after him. When we reached the rectangular white building, Matt and I both searched for some way to peek inside while Jenny took her last few photos in the twilight. There was a large metal door on one side, but it was clearly padlocked. On the opposite side, hidden behind some brush 
and one of the batting cage nets was a normal sized door. It was also metal, but it was a bit rusted and didn't have a noticeable lock, just a metal bar that read, push. Are we going in? I asked. Matt looked around carefully before deciding. Pushing down on the metal bar, the slightly rusted door moved about an inch, if that. But with a few good kicks, it slammed open with an echoing thud. So much for being quiet. Let's go, Matt said, turning his flashlight on as we stepped in the building. Jenny followed him, her eyes scanning every corner for a photo op. I took my own flashlight and casually looked around. There was stuff everywhere. Clubs, bats, golf balls, baseballs, some go-kart parts, and random pieces of wood and metal. But beside all of that junk, there were plaster and wooden figures, and other pieces from the mini-golf course. A huge grey elephant looked like it had been tossed in a corner, and a giant giraffe with weird alien-like eyes was shoved on top. They looked so strange just laying there, as if they were dead. I almost turned back, feeling a little creeped out, to be honest. Then something else caught my eye. To me, it looked like an old mascot costume of some sort. But then I noticed the wires coming out of it, as well as the glint of metal limbs. I stepped close and shined my flashlight right on it. I couldn't even tell what animal it was supposed to be. The fake fur was just so ratty. The wiring and metal that made the arms and legs were exposed here and there where the fur had been ripped away. The head of the thing was sitting oddly on its shoulders, somehow making it seem more alert than the figures around it. I still couldn't tell what the thing was supposed to be, so I knelt down in front of it and shined my flashlight in its face. It was a dog. A big, goofy dog in overalls. One of its eyes was completely gone, with just wires pouring out of the socket and down its face. The other eye was in better condition than I would have guessed. The black dot that was the pupil looked as fresh as the day it was painted. Shining the light around, I could see the entire metal structure of the head. Only the fur on the side of the good eye remained intact. Guys, come look at this, I called out. I found some kind of animatronic thing. I reached towards it, wanting to lift the good section of brown material up to see the whole face. I figured Jenny would love to take a picture of it. Suddenly, the eye moved. I cannot stress this enough. I saw the eye move. I let out a sharp word or two and fell backwards onto the ground, dropping my flashlight in the process. I watched it roll just out of my reach before I turned back to the animatronic. My eyes widened. It was standing up. The weight of its head looked like it would fall to its chest if it had to look down, but it could see me perfectly with the head cocked like that. I could feel it. I watched its jaw creak open as if it were about to speak, but the whole thing snapped down with a clang, dropping a few inches down barely being held up by the wires in the dog's face. Without any sort of man-made sound from a voice box or anything, the dog spoke. Its words were chillingly smooth, as if a person were standing before me instead of a hunk of rust and wires 
It was angry. What do you think you're doing? It asked, taking a shaky, clanking step closer. I was too afraid to move. I was frozen, staring up at the dog in terror. Get out, it whispered, the angry tone still noticeable in its voice. Get out of here, now. The now was significantly deeper, almost demonic. Where are you? I heard Matt call. You're supposed to keep your flashlight on. I turned my head to call out to him, but no words formed. I heard the animatronic's eye move in the same direction before it once again peered down at me. Regaining my attention, we stared soundlessly at each other until Matt spoke again. I found your flashlight, he said, having picked it up from the ground just a few feet away, scanning one side of the room with it while passing his back to Jenny. Then I was blinded, as one of the beams of light was turned right at the animatronic. It looked even more terrifying standing up. Then, I heard Jenny scream. What? What is that? Why? How, how did it just move? I heard the shudder of the camera and watched the flash light up the dog's face even more. She gasped, and the camera fell to the ground with a thud. Matt! We have to go! Now! G come on! shouted Matt. Get out! Both of you! Let's get out of here! I clambered to my feet at his voice, only to be stopped just before I turned to leave. One of the arms of the animatronic shot out. The cold metal hand wrapped around my throat in a vice-like grip. I couldn't breathe. I stared astoundingly into the one good eye of the thing, trying to pry the sharp, metal fingers off. I winced, feeling them pierce into my flesh. Growing weak from the pain and the lack of oxygen, I hung limp in the dog's clutches. My eyes never left his until I felt myself fly across the room and smash against the wall before everything went black. When I finally regained consciousness, I was lying on my back in the parking lot beside Matt's car. You're awake, Jenny said tearfully. Looking into her face, I could tell she had been crying. Get in the car! Get in the car! I could hear Matt yelling. Jenny tried to help me up, but she couldn't muster the strength, and I couldn't manage to move. I'm not sure if it was from the pain or the shock. Matt shooed Jenny away and pulled me into his back seat. He and Jenny got in soon after, and we peeled out of there as soon as Matt's foot hit the pedal. They took me to the hospital and said that I fell while skateboarding and rolled down a hill. It was totally plausible. I skateboard at the park almost once a week, and the hill they were referring to was a man-made rocky hill. Both the hospital and my parents believed the story, so the three of us could at least feel some relief. After that, the three of us became very withdrawn, at school and at home. I want someone to talk to about this so badly. That's why I'm writing this. Maybe in some weird way it will help, but I have to be quiet about it. I can't tell anyone what happened in there. None of us can. If we do, our parents will just put us away like they did to my brother. Jenny wants to go back so she can find her camera, but Matt keeps telling her to just let it go. I've been having these nightmares every night since. I'm running through the park, 
and the dog is right on my heels. I'll never forget that clanging sound. I can still hear it. If we could get our hands on that camera, maybe people would believe us. Then they'd have to let my brother out. He isn't crazy. None of us are. I saw it. I saw that dog. I still see him. Standing in the corner of my room. He doesn't say anything. He just stands there. Staring at me with his one good eye. I've considered trying to take his picture one more time. But he won't let me. I can fight him off eventually. I know I can. I'm stronger now. I can get my brother out of that place. I'll find proof. I just... I just need to get away from the dog. I should have never set foot in that old park. Think about how much time you spend at home. Does your home really make you feel great? If not, it's time to change it. Now picture yourself coming home, seeing beautiful new furniture from Jordan's. Eating out or a vacation, those things just come and go. But walking into your room and loving what you see, you'll enjoy that every day. Right now, come to Jordan's Furniture and get 15% off everything or get up to 60 months with no interest. Call 1-866-245-4722 for financing details. Restrictions apply. Subject to credit approval. Thank you so much for listening to today's video. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to leave a like on the video. And for more creepy tales, please subscribe to the channel. And if you haven't already, click the notification bell. That way you will know as soon as I send another video out which is usually every Tuesday. If you have a story that you'd like to share with me, please feel free to send me an email or hit me up on Twitter. That's usually where I'm most active. Additionally, I am still taking part in the Evil Idol competition. My results come out later tonight, but fingers crossed I should be making it into the second round. So, until next time, sleep tight. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a 4-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.